How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the In the Crowd podcast. My name is Tyler Vanderloo. Thanks for tuning in yet again. On today's pod, we have USA Basketball 16 and 17 under national team coach and the USA Basketball National Director for Coach Development, Coach Don Showalter. Coach Show has also won 10 gold medals in his time with USA Basketball. This is somebody I've known for a very long time. He also runs Snow Valley Basketball School every summer in Waverly, Iowa, which in my opinion is the greatest basketball camp you can attend. Coach Show has coached many, many great basketball players, many NBA players, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, the list goes on and on. He tells a really good story in this pod about current Memphis Grizzly guard, Justice Winslow. When Justice was first invited to USA Basketball Camp, he actually got cut from the team, didn't make the team. This is a guy that went on to play at Duke, played for the Miami Heat, now with the Memphis Grizzlies, came back the next year and made the team. It's stories like that that I think that people enjoy listening to and quite frankly, young kids need to hear. Sit back and enjoy this podcast conversation with USA Basketball coach Don Showalter. Let's go. This now is USA Basketball Developmental Coach of the Year in 2017, Don Showalter. appreciate you coming on with us today. I appreciate being on, Tyler. What, uh, first off, how you been and uh, what's been going on? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, USA Basketball, our events, especially our international events, have been canceled for the most part through August anyway. Uh, we're still looking at maybe having a couple coaching clinics in September. Um one in DC and uh, maybe one in Dallas in, in September, but uh, you know, depending on how the coronavirus goes, you never know on that, but all our U 17 events, FIBA events have been, have been really canceled for this year, along with the Olympics, of course, which will be, which will be next year. So uh, we're just trying to catch up on some things that, uh, that we had on the back burner for a long time and we have time to do now. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get your start with USA basketball? Yeah, you know, that's that's something I get asked a lot. Uh, basically, uh, Tyler, it came down to it came down to um, as, as a young coach, I worked a lot of camps. I mean, I used to work camps all the time and it, it just comes down to meeting people and they like what you do and then they give you an opportunity. And if they like what you do uh, in, in giving you that opportunity, then you have other chances. So um so that kind of goes back to in, in, in 1998 was my first experience with USA basketball. And I coached in the Hoop Summit. And at that time, the Hoop Summit, well, it still is uh, an ongoing event for USA basketball, but it involves our top seniors in our country uh, playing against uh, an international team of uh, U19 kids. Uh, so I had met uh, Mil- at that time, Milt Newton, who now is the uh, GM for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He was uh, working with USA Basketball, and I had met him through some camps and clinics. Like, you know, like all young coaches, you go to those and you try and meet people. And 
uh, we had just kind of kept in, in contact with each other. And he asked me if I'd want to coach in the, in the, in the hoop summit. Of course I jumped at that chance. And, uh, at that time, uh, we had, uh, Richard Lewis on that team, uh, Al Jefferson. So we had a pretty good team. Our, our, uh, bigs were really good. Our, our, uh, we probably didn't have as good of guards as we needed to, to really be a great team, but it was a fun team to coach. They were great kids, but we played against a, uh, a team that was, uh, I thought was really, really good. And nobody at that time, you know, nobody knows about foreign kids and international players near as much as today. So uh, at that time we played against a, a long haired German by the name of Dirk Nowitzki. He was 19 years old and he was kind of, <laughs> he was kind of a last minute, uh, last minute add on for the international team. And, uh, we did a great job on him. We held him like 35 points and 25, <laughs> 25 rebounds. So uh, that's, uh, that was my claim to fame with, uh, with my first experience with USA basketball, but he, that was his coming out party. Dirk, uh, Dirk Nowitzki didn't make the uh, scouting report coach. He didn't, he didn't make the scouting report. We, nobody knew about him. And, uh, even the NBA scouts, you know, at that time really didn't know much about him, but, that was his coming out party because after that, of course, he he jumped up on the draft uh, draft bar, uh, uh, bars and and he got drafted by Dallas and obviously had a great NBA career. So that was uh, that was a really experience. That was during, that was actually in San Antonio right during the Final Four. So that was a fun experience. But that was my first uh, taste of USA basketball. And then the next year, '99, I coached the McDonald's game. Uh, but then USA Basketball asked me to be on a on the selection committee uh, because at that time we had uh, festivals and uh, we we brought in 40 high school players and put them on north south east west teams uh, and then we had a kind of a mini Olympics so from like 99 98 99 to 2008 actually uh, we had these festivals and I was I served on I actually coached in uh, a couple of those and then served on a committee that helped pick, get players and, and coaches for that. So, and, and those names, you know, 2002, we had Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Chris Paul, James Harden were all high school players. And, and we had all those players in our festival up through that time. So that was a pretty neat thing. Um, and then 2009 FIBA started the U16 and U17 uh, divisions teams international wise. So, that had, that really helped out USA basketball, and then uh, they asked me to coach that in two thousand, starting in two thousand nine, and then uh, um, kind of you know kind of took off from there, and then I was hired full time in two thousand sixteen, actually end of two thousand sixteen, uh, hired full time with USA basketball. So that's kind of my path uh, with USA basketball. But it's been great, and I've enjoyed certainly enjoyed. Uh, you know, if you're a basketball junkie, uh, you, you cannot and you, you 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 go to work every day to just think about basketball. So that's pretty awesome. No, that is pretty cool. What uh, what's the main difference between the FIBA international rules and our rules here in the U.S.? Because I mean, you've been all over the world with these guys playing, and you know, there's some 
pretty big difference of rules. Um, obviously, you know, when you're watching, you know, like you had, you had mentioned the Olympics, you know, when, when you're watching our team, USA play in the Olympics and you, know, you can grab the ball right off the rim or you know, right. certain things, but I mean, like what's the big difference between those two styles of play? Well, I think I actually think there's three, three really big differences in the rules. I, I, and to me, the rule differences is what makes FIBA basketball so fun to play and so fun to coach. Uh, and really, every every country outside of the United States uh, goes by FIBA, the FIBA rules. Well, three three of the rules. One, of course, you mentioned. As soon as the ball hits the rim, it's a live ball. So once the ball hits the rim, there can be no goaltending. You can take the ball off the rim. Uh, you can offensive rebound. You can as soon as the ball touches the rim, you can you can tap it in. And our players really enjoyed the offensive part of that because. Once the ball hits the rim, you know, they're up on the rim and they can home and, 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 uh, really have some, uh, you know, has some, has some fun plays with that. So that's, that's, a, that's kind of the one main rule. I know the NBA has looked at that rule, uh, in the past to, to maybe, uh, implement that in their game. So I don't, I, I'm not sure that's going to take off, but I think it's a good rule. The second rule, obviously, is a 24-second shot clock. And, you know, you talk about the FIBA rule. They use it for what they call their mini-basket uh, people as well, mini-basket players. And, and so they're, they're talking all the way down to seven, eight, eight nine-year-olds are using a 24-second shot clock. And uh, I'm very adamant that the shot clock is something that we need to, we need to impose in our rules here in the States. And we just need to get out of the dark ages with with the shot clock and no, I I 100% agree with you there. Yeah, and get that implemented because I I think it, it helps in the flow of the game. It has it 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 actually makes the players better decision makers on the court because they have a shot clock that makes them probably a little more skill it develops their skill level I think a little better as well. So that's a really a big rule. I'm not sure 24 seconds. You know, I I'd go for 30 uh, maybe 35, I think, would be good for our high school, uh, high schools. And, and there's, I think, there's eight or nine states that have the shot clock uh, in the United States. And I know Georgia's actually voting on their association is voting on the shot clock uh, at the end of this week. So I think there's more and more coming in, but uh, you know they might as well just make up a, a part of basketball because eventually it's going to be, it's going to be in. And then the, the third rule that I really like is. Uh, is a timeout rule where you, you cannot players cannot call a timeout on the court. There's no live timeouts. So if a player is dribbling the basketball and he just can't stop the dribble and call a timeout, the coach has to call the timeout from the scores table and then they will buzz the horn at the next dead ball. So there's no, uh, you know, there's, you can't stop play with a timeout. You can't, uh, you can't initiate, a timeout to call a set play as a, as the clock's running down at the end of quarters. And, and to me, that that's a huge rule. And I would love to see that uh, uh, in the United States as well. I think one of the things I tell coaches is, is those two rules, especially timeout and shot clock. Certainly when I started coaching international ball made me a better coach. I, I had to be more, more prepared. Um, I did things, I think my practices changed a little bit because I was made the, made my uh, made the players more of a decision making players as opposed to running 
a certain set uh, and going with that set to score because, you know, if you didn't, 24 seconds doesn't give you much time. And if something doesn't go right now, the players have to make decisions. So those are the rules that I really, uh, really enjoyed pl- coaching under. And our players love playing with, with those rules. Um, That's pretty interesting. I didn't realize that timeout rule. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I did not know that. And, and the coach has to go to the scores table to call that. That, that actually kind of. Right. Yeah, so I kind of like it. So what happens Tyler, is that, you know, I may call a timeout at the scores table and until you get a dead ball, it might be two or three minutes later. And so then you, you can wave it off too. So if, if by that time you don't want to timeout, why um, you can wave it off, but it just, I'll tell you what, it makes the game flow so much better. And it really puts the, it makes it a player's game as opposed to a coach's game, it makes the players make decisions and, and run stuff on the court and, and really kind of figure things out as they're playing the game. Wow. I, I, again, I did not realize that that's actually pretty, pretty cool. And something that, that the U S should really look into uh, yep. adapting to their game. How about uh, the 100 most influential people in college basketball list just came out and I was scrolling through that the other day. And I saw, you know, the likes of Mike Krzyzewski, obviously, and John Calipari and, and, and many others. Coach, your name was on that list too. What's that mean to you? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thanks, Tyler, for for mentioning that. But I had no clue. I had no idea that 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 uh, uh, survey or that article was even coming out uh, with that. So, um, so I was really surprised as well. And uh, obviously, I was very honored and humbled to be listed in the top hundred uh, influential for for college basketball. And I, comes from uh it well in the same paragraph obviously our our uh chairman of our board general dempsey was mentioned as well and so um and i think a lot of it was uh i deal with a lot of players that colleges that colleges want to recruit and so i think that had a lot to do with with that and, and um i have a good good relationship for the most part i think with with college coaches because uh, you know, they want to find out a little more about our players and, and the players that we go through. And, and not only that, but, you know, I go see uh, tons of high school games throughout the year, uh, both both from the club standpoint and from the high school standpoint. Uh, so I, I get a chance to see a lot of the college coaches, and then I you get a chance to evaluate a lot of the players that I go see, whether we invite them or not, whether they're elite enough for our USA basketball teams uh, but I go see them and evaluate them and, and uh, uh, for, you know, just, just for us to take a look at them. And I think that has a lot to do with, with, uh, with being on that list. You mentioned uh, General Dempsey, and I was at that practice in Minneapolis, what, last year when he spoke uh, right at the end to uh, help me out. It was the USA oh. basketball. Uh, what, what age group was that again? Sorry. That was the uh, in Minneapolis. It yeah. was really, yeah. It was really our. We had uh, we had four different levels there. You know, we had some young kids uh, that were. Fr- we had a few freshmen in, in high school all the way up through our seniors, and it was a, it was a mini camp where we um, we had a practice. It was, it was it, that's a great weekend for us. And unfortunately, we we didn't have that this year. But you know, we go to the final four floor and practice on Sunday morning. We have scrimmages against the NBA, uh, their international academies of, 
in Africa and China and Latin America and India. Uh, they come and we scrimmage them. So it's really a, a great deal for our kids and for basketball just in general. That's, that's, that's a mini camp always that's arranged around the final four. Um, but that specific time, then General Dempsey uh, visited with our, with our players about, you know, you know, representing your country. He's, for those of the, those few people who don't know, uh, he was a joint chiefs of staff uh, of, the, of our whole military. And so that's about as high a ranking official in the military as you, as you can, uh, as you can get. Uh, he was at under, uh, under several presidents, uh, and he, since then he's retired, but, uh, he's, a, he's our chairman of our board. So great guy, uh, very passionate about basketball, very passionate about leadership. Uh, and he, he has great messages for, uh, great message for the players on representing your country and showing leadership on the court and uh, as well as to our coaches. So that was really a neat thing. You, uh, you have an all-time USA basketball record of 62 and O. I think that's pretty good. Last time I looked at that, that that's a pretty good uh, uh, winning percentage there, coach. What um, obviously it's coaching, it's players. And we have some of the best players in the country or in, in the world. Uh, right here in the United States, who are some of the best players that you have coached with USA basketball? Well, you go back to the 2009 uh, season and, and, and let me clarify that that's a, we have basically the same players two years in a row because our U16 team qualifies for the next summer's U17 team. So when we say, U six U sixteen. That's a we put we bring in thirty five or forty players, cut it down to twelve for competition with North and South America, and so then if we finish in the top three, I think it is, then we go on to play in a World Cup the next year, uh, which involves Europe, Asia, uh, Africa, um, Oceania, and then the, the Americas. So. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring in a lot of the same players. Sometimes we mix it up a little bit. You know, players get better. Players don't develop quite like we think. Uh, so it's really the same players for a lot of times for two years, although we've never taken the same 12 uh, two years in a row. So we've always, you know, we've always had three or four players that we don't, uh, that we don't anticipate being at that level. So having said that, our first two years, uh, we've had, uh, that was really a good team. And, and we, you know, you look back on that, we were just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. Cause we didn't really understand this whole thing, but, um, uh, we had guys like, uh, you know, Brad Beal plays for the Washington, uh, Andre Drummond, um, Quinn Cook, Michael Gilchrist, uh, were some of the players that we had on that first team. And, uh, that was really a fun, fun team uh, for us as well. And then, you know, you, we, you go in the, in the next years and uh, we, I had Jabari Parker, uh, uh, Jalil Okafer, uh, that group was really good. Jason Tatum obviously is one of the best that we've ever had uh, in that age group. But, and I'll tell you just, and Jason Tatum was a, a kid at, at the U17 level 
we thought we were going to be we we thought we would be better with him coming off the bench as a sixth man. Oh wow! And yeah, and uh, you know he had no problem with that. He was say whatever you need to do, and he ended up being our leading scorer and making the all tournament team uh, as well. So Jason Tatum, Tyus, both Jones boys, Tyus Jones, Trey Jones, uh, you know Ivan Rab, uh, 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 Colin Sexton was one of those that was really. A uh, very interesting kid to coach. I say that in a very positive way. He was so full of energy, and uh, he was—he ended up being MVP uh, of the world championship. But again, he was one of those that came off the bench for us. So uh, we, we've had uh, Terrence Ferguson, who played uh, over, uh, uh, who played international basketball and then got drafted, and is, is really starting to in his career. Uh, Jalen Green last year, uh, he's, he's going to going to the uh, G League this coming year. Uh, he he was he was one of those top Isaiah Stewart, uh, Vernon Carey, uh, you know those those kids that R.J. Hampton who played over in yep. New Zealand. So those are uh, Evan Mobley. He's probably number one, one number one kid in last year's uh, senior class. So. Really had, you know, I'm missing somebody. Oh, probably one of the best stories. Uh, if you have a moment here, I'll tell you a quick yeah, story. Yeah, go ahead. About Justice Winslow. Uh, Justice was out of Houston, uh, played played high school basketball in Houston. He came to our training camp as a U16 player. And uh, he was, you know, he was good. He came, uh, he came to us. And I think he, you know, these kids are all so – they're, they're really good in their areas, uh, like in Houston area and stuff, but they're, they're a little bit unsure how good they are uh, when you put all the good kids together. And so sometimes they're a little intimidated uh, by everybody together. They're not sure how good they really are. Um, so having said that, a lot of times that, that first year uh, with, with coming in as a U16 player, they're, they're really kind of hesitant to show – you know, to, to really be on full display with their skills. And uh, Justice Winslow, we actually cut him as a, as a U16 player. Uh, I, I look back and thinking, what were we doing when we cut him? I mean, he was, he was an amazing uh, player as, as he got older. But then, uh, you know, credit to him, and I, this, I tell players this all the time, but credit to him is he didn't complain, he didn't, he didn't uh, blame the coaches. He, he didn't play the blame game. He just went back and he said, you know what, I got to work to get better. And uh, and that's what he did. He just went back and had a great high school season the next year, uh, got bigger and stronger, and came back the following summer with our U-17 team. We invited him back uh, because of the, of the improvement he showed. And uh, – uh, you know, he was really good and we, we picked him, made it, he made our, our, our 12 for the world cup and ended up being, uh, ended up being on the all tournament team. So, you know, we, we have players like that and he still says, uh, he's one of those guys that I, I really keep in contact with. He and Jason Tatum and, and, uh, the Jones boys, I keep in really close contact with those guys. And he still says to this day that, you know, he would never be, in a position that he was in, in the NBA, had he not been cut as a U16 player for USA basketball. So that's pretty awesome when, when a kid like that understands, 
uh, really what what got him to the next level. So that's stories great... like that are just awesome, though. I mean, yeah. That's um, great... I, I I was going to ask you. So you're on the board of the McDonald's All American high school basketball game first off how many board members are there and how i mean how does that how does the the selection process work because i mean obviously you're pulling i mean there's kids all over the country right Right. and you know talk a little bit about that yeah well obviously the mcdonald's game is one of those also is 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 the you know the the all-star game that is with the highest honor that a, a player can really be chosen for and uh, that's been that way since, you know, the early seventies, I think, uh, I think it started in 76. Uh, I was fortunate to coach in that game and in, uh, in, back in 1999, when it was held at Ames, uh, held in Ames at the, uh, at the Iowa state, uh, on the Iowa state campus. So, uh, really fortunate to be a part of that. But then since, uh, since 99, they asked me to be on, uh, the committee and part of that goes to uh, I really have a chance to see most of these kids that that are are chosen, uh, but there's about 20, uh, 20 people that are part of a selection committee. Both uh, there's a separate committee for both boys and and girls because uh, because they had the girls game which is great uh, uh, back in I think early two thousands. Uh, so there's about there's about fifteen or twenty of us. Uh, some are high school coaches. Uh, many are scouts uh, that are on that committee, and we each have a vote. Uh, so we they'll send out a ballot about uh, November, December, with the top hundred kids from from that from the senior class. And uh, you know they have they have some conduct things in there. You have to be a student at the school in good standing. Um, uh, you know, you, you have to be uh, a person, obviously, it's, it's elite, good, skill-wise, and then you have to be uh, have, a, have a good recommendation from that school, uh, whether it be athletic director or coach. So, so we, we start out with about 100, 100 players, and uh, uh, then we, we, our first, uh, we all fill out a ballot, and our first ballot goes down to about 40 uh, players, and then we continue down until we get to 24. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, for an all-star game uh, and for, for people that are on it, uh, it, it's a pretty good way to select them. I think the the several things that I get out of it, sometimes the selection committee doesn't see all the players. And so they sometimes can't make a really good evaluation of, of, you know, all, all the players that are on the ballot uh, to start with, because they're really good. They really know the players in their region. So maybe, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, that region will have uh, more votes to start with. Uh, but, but I think it's a pretty fair way. Uh, I, I was really uh, kind of apprehensive about how it was going to be uh, done until I was on the committee. So uh, after being on the committee since, since actually since 2000, I feel pretty good that we, you know, we get most of the, most of the best players. Uh, and the ones that are really good that maybe don't make it are uh, maybe not students in good standing, or uh, they have a little bit of a uh, blimp in their past that prevents them from being on it. So uh, it's a great game. 
Uh, obviously, it's different than what we look at. When I go evaluate players for USA basketball, we have to make a team. We can't, it's not just an all-star game. So I think that's the main difference between like the McDonald's game and uh, the Capital Classic and the Jordan game, as opposed to uh, getting a team ready for USA basketball. You mentioned the Jordan game. So you were the coach in 2012 with the Jordan brand classic. Was that game in New York city? Is it, is it always played in at Madison square garden? Yeah. For the most part it has been. Yeah. Actually I coached two years on that. I coached in 05 and in 12 and um, really good, you know, obviously a great time, but, but that's, you know, again, that's the, the there's no selection committee that picks that. That's all done. Uh, that's a Nike brand game. So, so those games are uh, – it was held at Madison Square Garden. I think now they, ha- they have – the last couple of years they had it in Brooklyn uh, at, the, at the Nets facility. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. at Barclays. At Barclays, yeah. And then there's still a, there's still a Capital Classic out of D.C. that's, that's very popular, uh, all-star game as well. So um, those are probably the three most prominent uh, all-star games that uh, a player can play in. You mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast here, you, you mentioned how you'd go work camps all the time. And, and, and I'm going to toot your horn for you. Uh, you run the snow Valley camp um, actually right here in, in Iowa uh, every year, uh, basically a month long in, in, in Waverly, Iowa divided up into four different camps. Um, not just in my opinion, but I mean, it's it, pretty much anybody who knows what I'm talking about his opinion it is the best, basketball camp for boys and girls um that you'll find in the country and that's a testament to you you run that and um i've obviously been there you know a handful of times working camp for you and too bad it had to be uh postponed for this year uh, because of the pandemic going on but uh you know hopefully next year they'll get it up and rolling again yeah thanks for mentioning that tyler i was i was going to try to get a plug in here at the end uh, yeah (laughs) uh but you know that's that's uh it's a, it's actually that camp Tyler started, it was started by Bob Cousy, the old Celtics. Yeah. Celtics player. Yeah. In, in Boston in uh, the sixties and uh, uh, now a good friend of mine, Herb Livesey actually bought the camp when he was about 20 years old from Bob Cousy and moved it to California in the Snow Valley Mountains of San Bernardino, everything was outside. And what makes the camp so unusual, it is a really a skill development camp where we, we only play one game a day at night and all the rest is in skill development. So it, it's a camp that we really stress, uh, you know, the, the skill work and, and uh, we've had tremendous success. We, we actually, I actually purchased a franchise from Herb who, who has a California camp and we moved it to, uh, Iowa uh, about 26, 27 years ago now. So uh, unfortunately this year we had to take it off the schedule, but we'll be back stronger than ever next year. Well, yeah. You know, like I mentioned, I've, I've been there a handful of times working it for you and it's yep. uh, it's, it's the, what do you call it? The best camp in the country. So, I mean, that's just what it is, but again, a testament to you and in, in, in your hard work that you put into it. So Again, Coach, hey, I, I won't keep any longer. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on talking basketball through your eyes, and and uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Todd, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, these the podcasts, and I've been on a lot of these podcasts, but uh, during, especially during this pandemic, I think people have time to to listen and they have time to improve their improve their 
uh, coaching game too, as well. So um, it's, it's really good. And I appreciate what you're doing to, uh, you know, to help coaches, uh, to help coaches improve and get better. Absolutely. Well, uh, tell your family hi and uh, enjoy your time uh, off and hopefully we'll uh, get back in the gym here soon. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks, Tyler. See you later. Yep. Thank you, Coach Showalter, for coming on this week's episode. As always, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week.